0: It's so good to see a sanctuary full of people today, Uh, the way you sing, and just a a rose full of kids up here, it just warms my heart. Thank you for your willingness to change for a little bit during the summer, and uh, just pray God's blessings upon all of us that have gathered here today. Um, As you know, we've been in the midst of a worship emphasis over the last six weeks. It's been entitled, Letting Go. And the hope would be that we would let go of who we think we're supposed to be and we would instead embrace who God created us to be. And so if you haven't been here for those sermon series and you'd like to learn how to let go of uh, certainty or perfectionism or fear or what other people think, there's six of those that we've already covered. You can either watch the videos online at our church website Or you can download the podcast and listen to them um, at your leisure. Uh, Today we continue this series. It's based on a book by Brene Brown called The Gifts of Imperfection. And I've been saying to you that if you have gotten anything out of the sermon series, I think you'd really get something out of the book. And so I would encourage you to to take a look at it if you can. Uh, Today's uh, sermon title, I'm glad we could get it all on one slide. Letting Go of exhaustion as a status symbol, and productivity as self-worth. I thought there's a good story uh, of of, of an experience by Dr. Matthew Sleeth that sort of sums up in essence what I hope we will get from today's uh, sermon. Dr. Sleeth is a good friend of a good friend of mine, and he tells the story about when he was a third-year medical student and that he and five other third-year medical students were uh, learning about radiology and learning about how to read an x-ray. So they were gathered around this x-ray screen, and the radiologist came in and put up a chest x-ray, the front and the side view of a patient. And and the radiologist began asking these six medical students, what do you notice that's amiss about this x-ray? And uh this would not be true of the many doctors in our church because they would have immediately called on, but you know these medical students were like silence they they didn 't really see anything wrong with what they saw, and so the radiologist says okay well let 's let 's try it a different way. What do you see in the x rays that 's right and again, there was a little bit of a silence, but uh they One person spoke, and then other people started speaking and began to build some confidence. And they pointed out that the diaphragm was fine, that uh, the heart was not enlarged, that there was no visible evidence of any sort of infection in the lungs, and that there didn't appear to be any tumor in the lungs. And, and of course, from the x-ray, they could say, I could tell it's a female. And, And so that's what they were able to say that was right, about that x-ray. And the radiologist said, that's that's very good. Uh, uh, I'm tracking with you. But then the radiologist began to ask some questions that were not quite so obvious. So the radiologist asked, do you think this patient has any history of trauma to the chest? Or do you think that this uh, patient Patient has or has had a partially collapsed lung. Well, they spent like an hour just standing in front of these x rays, Dr. Slees says, and, and what they ultimately decided collectively as a group is that this x ray was what their textbooks was said was always the hardest to, to describe. It was normal. It didn't look like that there was anything wrong. And so the radiologist said, well, um, you should know that when this patient came into the emergency department last night that the doctor in charge and the resident of radiology who was on call last night both looked at this x-ray and they said the same thing as you. Nothing appears to be abnormal. But when I came in this morning, I called the patient and told her that I think she has cancer. And the medical students were just like looking again at the x-ray and they don't see any evidence of, of, of tumors or anything like that. And, 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 and there's nothing that, that they see there that, that gives them concern. And the radiologist says, it's not what I see that troubles me. It's what's missing. That troubles me. And so again, they started looking at this x ray, trying to figure out what in the world would give this radiologist cause for thinking that this woman had cancer. And the radiologist says, Okay, let me ask you this where's the left clavicle? And they looked, and there was no left clavicle. And the radiologist Uh, surmised that the left clavicle was eaten away by cancer. What this story suggests is that what's missing can matter when it comes to an x-ray. And I want to suggest to you that what's missing can matter in our lives as well. You know, uh, some of us are old enough that we can remember when the world wasn't 24-7, right? Some of us can remember a day where you worked hard for six days and then uh, on Sunday you rested. Uh, Nothing was open. You couldn't do anything even if you wanted to. I can remember growing up when my mother would put all of the ingredients into the crock pot on Saturday night. So that on Sunday morning, all she had to do was plug in that crock pot and she wouldn't have to spend the entire day in the kitchen preparing food for the family to eat for breakfast and for lunch and for supper. And after she would plug that crock pot in on Sunday mornings, we would get dressed to go to church and we would go to church because that's the way that our family remembered the Sabbath. And kept it holy, and so we would go and we would worship God, and we would read the scriptures, and we would study the scriptures, and we would sing hymns about our faith, and we would be in fellowship with other Christian believers and Then when church was over, you 'd go back home because there was nowhere else to go. Everything was closed, and you'd walk in on that uh, in that house, and you could just smell what that crock pot had been cooking the whole time you were gone. And it was just this wonderful meal awaiting. We would sit at the table together and we would eat and then we would spend the rest of the day resting and playing. And uh, I didn't grow up in the Methodist church so we had to go back to church because we didn't get enough on Sunday morning. We had to go back on Sunday night. But in many ways, it was a wonderful bookend to the Sabbath. A reminder to keep it. To remember it. And to keep it holy. I can even remember growing up when they were talking about all of this technology that was going to be coming down the pipe that one day we're going to have such great technology it's going to make life so much more efficient our jobs so much more efficient that there were many who speculated that eventually we would have uh, three day work weeks And in four days, Sabbath. Because everything that was being invented was going to make our lives better and easier. How's that working out for you? I want to suggest to you that what's missing matters. That that's not the way that God created us to be. To spend... 24-7 Twenty-four-seven working and striving and and, and 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 exhausting ourselves. And if you want to look for where there might be evidence of that in Scripture, well, it begins in Genesis. You know, God worked six days creating. God expended all sorts of creative energy for six straight days, and then on the seventh day, God rested from God's creativity. Now, do you think God rested because God was tired? Or do you think that God rested because God realized that there's a rhythm to life and and that there's a rhythm to all creation and there should be a rhythm for each one of us? That there are days when it's appropriate to work hard and, and to toil but then there are days when we should just pause and realize that when we pause, the world keeps on spinning, the world keeps on going, and we can stop and we can enjoy what has been created. And we've lost that in our culture today. It's missing. It's missing. Um, the average attendance of a church folks today is two times a month. That's, that's, people consider themselves regular church attenders if they go twice a month. And we get up on Sundays and those Sundays are as packed uh, with stuff to do and places to be uh, as any other day in our week. And I want you to know that God rested And we were created in the image of God. And God wants us to be creative because God is creative. But God wants us to find time to rest because God found time to rest. And God also wants us to play. I was racking my brain for where could I find some evidence in Scripture of people playing. And I decided that when Adam was naming the animals, that that had to be fun. Don't you think? I mean, you get full reign to name animals whatever you want to. We, you know, the duck-billed platypus is always the one that people mention. But, but Adam, don't you know there's this joyful, playful spirit when Adam is just deciding what, what, what should I name this um, animal? God wants us to rest and God wants wants us to play. But people have been forgetting that and neglecting that since the beginning of time. You remember the story about the Israelites, how the Hebrew people, how they were in bondage to Pharaoh. And one of the reasons why they cried out to God for help is because all they did was work, work, work. Every day they were charged with making bricks for Pharaoh's transportation system. Every day they toiled endless, long, uh, exhausting hours. And so they called out to God for help. And so God sent Moses to liberate the Hebrew people from bondage. And then God uh, took them out and was leading them to the promised land. And then God decided that they needed a set of rules, uh, commandments to live by. And, and so God created the, the, the Big ten. The Ten Commandments. And you might remember that the first few commandments are about our relationship with God. The last commandments are about our relationship with other people. But smack dab in the center of those commandments was the one that we read for our Scripture lesson this morning. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's like that's the linchpin between who we are supposed to be in relationship with God and who we are supposed to be in relationship with other people. God wants us to experience Sabbath rest. And God wants us to experience play. But we live in a world that views exhaustion as a status symbol. Do you ever notice how we brag about it? You know, we get a group of people together and it's like, I'm just so tired. I've had to work so long this week. You know, we just won't. It's like we're bragging or, or we're boasting about, it. you know, how many hours I spent in the office this week? Do you know how much time it took me to do all of this stuff? You know, we're like, wow, you must be important. You must be busy. You must be great. Wow. That's the culture that we live in today. We view exhaustion as a status symbol and we think that our self-worth is based on how productive we are in what we do. And we have become a nation of overstressed, over-exhausted people. And so I want to invite you, I want to suggest to you that God created you for rest which includes Sabbath and that God created you for play. Make no mistake, I'm not up here trying to guilt you into coming to church. Um, I'm not trying to save the Sabbath. I'm just trying to help you see that the Sabbath will save you. It will breathe new life into your spirit. Much like the same Pentecost spirit breathed new life into those early disciples on that first Pentecost day. And so I would invite you as a family to let go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self worth. And to spend time together as a family talking about what would it look like if we rested, if we remembered the Sabbath and kept it holy, and if we played together.